Welcome to another edition of the Weekend Update. I'm your host, Will Walker, and joining me as he does every week, it's John Kraft. Kraft, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, it was going to be the the best of times. I was. You're going to have to deal with an over exuberant, extremely optimistic me. But unfortunately, uh, we might have just played our worst game of the year too. So. See, we've usually gotten lucky on these uh, with with really good games right before we record, but this time your prediction of a potential trap game against the Thunder proved to be correct. But we have a couple other games in addition to the yeah. Thunder game to discuss, which were a lot more fun. Yeah. Uh, and we'll start with the records. 19-10, first place in the Western Conference despite the loss to the Thunder. Thank, thank you, Pelicans. We're third in the NBA. Offensive rating at 114.1, which is 8th in the league. Defensive rating at 109.5, which is 5th in the league. Net rating at a 4.6, which is 5th overall. Cleaning the glass, point differential has us at 6.3, which is 2nd in the NBA, only to Boston. We are going to start with the news. John, you want to get us started there? Yeah, and and, uh, it's good to hear. I like hearing that first in the West. I'm hoping that we never have to hear anything else the rest of the season. So when we come on, so hopefully, but, uh, but yes, the news. Uh, so December 14th, um, we had the NBA and the uh, uh, National Basketball uh, Players Association extend their CBA opt-out deadline to February 8th. Um, so the date was originally set for December 15th, um, but they're trying to give themselves some more time uh, to, I guess, negotiate some things until February 8th. So it's definitely, again, we talked about sort of the more more details about it on a previous podcast about all the different things under discussion, but um, but obviously it's been pushed back to February eighth. So I guess we'll wait to hear more news on that. Yeah, it's interesting that it isn't pushed back even further. It makes me think that maybe the two sides are are closer to an, an agreement, and they just need a few more months to iron out the details interestingly enough it is the day before the trade deadline that this is happening not that necessarily two things are related but i think that there's just going to be a lot of business happening within the league in that week and so we'll see if it gets extended again the one thing that seems to be a real hang-up is this upper spending limit which the owners presented and it sounds like the players might be pushing back on just a little bit. We have no details as to what the upper spending limit would be. My assumption is that the owners want something maybe above what the luxury tax line is right now to actually be some sort of a hard cap and whether what that number actually is going to be again is in question. So we'll see if that ends up being a sticking point in these negotiations. And if, if they do, if neither side can come to an agreement, then the, CBA will automatically expire at the end of this coming league year, which is June 30th. And then they have, you know, to renegotiate another deal before the season starts if we don't want a work stoppage. So let's hope that we don't have that. No, definitely. We don't, we don't, we never like work stoppages in the NBA, but especially not when we're, um, when the Grizzlies are in in really good shape and playing really well. We would not want a work stoppage uh, to ruin that at all for sure. December 15th, 74 players who signed contracts this past summer were all of a sudden eligible to be traded. Now, it's important to note that zero Grizzlies were affected by this particular date uh, directly. However, it does open up now the possibilities to trade just about everyone. And so that is important for the Grizzlies who have been predicted to be you know, maybe in some, or at least be in a position to trade whether they will or not. We will see. All signs to me, judging by the past, have pointed to us trusting our internal development and taking advantage of the assets we already have in house rather than pushing in chips per se. But we do have a Danny Green contract that is just sitting there and is very tradable. But we'll see. He was on TV, uh, interestingly enough, with Brian Windhorst. And Windhorst, you know, was very open about the Grizzlies situation with him right in the room, referencing his contract while he was sitting there. And it was really funny. And, of course, Green was super professional. But that's, to me, an interesting conversation as we move forward. Maybe not to be addressed on this podcast, but I think we will be in a future Grizzden pod probably pretty soon. 
No, definitely. And it does feel like, um, and we'll maybe talk about this, at it, 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 this point I think it would be shocking if anything besides Danny Green and maybe – you know, a Tillman or somebody potentially is in trade. Like, like if like there's some big trade involving Dylan or something, I, at this point I would be very, very shocked just kind of reading all the tea leaves and, and also, also honestly the way Dylan's been playing. So it feels, it seems like, yeah, I would be very surprised if we do have an in-season trade, but I know that, you know, we're, we're going to look at the landscape and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'll take this next one, yeah. and then, Kraft, you can finish this out. But okay. on the same day, December 15th, the Grizzlies took sole possession of the one seed in the West. And that's just a fun note here. Nothing necessarily, uh, you know, other than that, just celebrating the fact that we are number one seed by ourselves in the Western Conference. And I believe it is the latest in the season that that has ever ever yeah. been the case for a, a Grizzlies team in franchise history. And so... Just something to to no, celebrate along the way. It's super fun, and uh, you know, and I, it's it's good to see that. Like I think a couple of weeks ago, we had been talking about how uh, the Suns and the Pelicans' schedules were kind of toughening up, and they were going to get you know a few more uh, chances at some some losses, and that that our our schedule was looking like we could gain some ground, and so it's nice to see. And and at this point, I just hope we, I you know, I I feel we'll we'll talk about this next week, but I feel like if we can get through the next week um, and come out first, I think we have a good chance of sort of holding on to first for a while at least until the schedule really toughens up, maybe in January, February. But I would hope maybe we uh, we get a few games in between us and whoever's in second place. Um, and then the final uh, news note uh, is is that uh, today, actually, um, December 18th, um, there was an interesting a Sunday morning, a Desmond Bain tweet, um, because this is what we do now. We like try to translate and interpret uh, emojis. But there was just Desmond Bain tweeting an eye emoji. And I think some people were wondering if it might be just related to the World Cup. Um, because I think he tweeted it sort of around uh, when some when when the World Cup was was really interesting, the World Cup final. Uh, but um, but then you know a bunch of media people started retweeting it, and then Jaw uh, responded to him also with with a uh, with eye emojis. With then also a picture of him um, and Bane dapping each other up in the starting lineup. So that made me feel pretty good. Um, I don't know what your interpretation is, uh, but that made me feel like the the eye emojis were not about uh, the World Cup final, but they were actually possibly about him making a return uh, sooner than expected, maybe. See, not to make any generalizations about our players, but it would be surprising to me if Bain was a, a football junkie football proper now if this was like a steven adams who had been injured and he tweets an eye emoji or something like that then maybe that's different uh and and again that's a generalization desmond main could be a huge argentina fan and that was if i looked at the timestamp correctly that was right around the time that argentina went up 2-0 and so who knows uh what was going on but i'm going to choose to believe that that desmond bain got a positive report from wherever he's been evaluated, and that potentially we could see him sooner rather than later. Now, the eye emoji also makes me think going into this big week of matchups, Denver, Phoenix, Golden State, what's the end of this matchup? One week from today, it's the Christmas Day game. And he what the timeline we we were you know, we're looking at it last week that the twenty eighth was actually the day that would be on the sooner side of his injury reevaluation period so who knows I was I've been telling people when they've asked that I just hope that he's back by New Year's night against the Pelicans but who knows this it could be earlier yeah we'll see yeah so I mean that is it is one of those that the Grizzlies do like to kind of set longer timelines and then surprise us so and and it is one of those things where it really is just about the toe feeling good him him feeling good enough to do stuff on it and then and then it not feeling sore the next day and feeling fine and so it might be that we have something here. I don't know. I mean, I do think that that Jaw sending it back made me feel more of a sense of that it wasn't the World Cup final. And, and honestly, Desmond's not a big like he tweets about different things, but it usually is you know what he's tweeting about. So that did make it very interesting to me. I actually had one more news item uh, that I found, which is that um, oh yeah, December seventeenth, uh, the Pelicans lost their third game in a row after becoming basically. Uh, every podcaster and NBA media's 
uh, kind of darling and West favorite uh, last week. And so I appreciate they gave them all the buzz and now they've lost three in a row. So always want to report those, those good news items about our, uh, our rivals there. Now, Kraft, as, as much as I do appreciate this surprise new item, which, news item, which I do, I relish every <laughs> Pelican's loss at this point, I am also now worried that we are getting the media curse as well. That is Because it is, this past yeah. two or three days of podcasts have really been uh, centered around the Grizzlies and their success and recognizing, you know, especially after the t- dismantling of the Bucks, And then we come out and lay an egg. We do. No, it's true. So, it, it is. I'm... Um, I could be hurt. I could be cursing us, but um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No. It's it's fun though. We got to celebrate <laughs> both sides uh, of all this. Okay. Well, let's get into the games. We'll start with the Hawks game. Let's start on a positive note. So the Hawks was it was such an interesting experience because to me, there's I find so much joy in hating Trey Young. And we only get a couple opportunities to play the Hawks in a season. And I don't enjoy playing them, per se, but I was ready to come out and just beat the brakes off of them with Trey in the lineup. And it was reported near the game time that Trey was not going to play. And almost, you know, just immediately after that was reported from Nate McMillan, Ja, who was listed as questionable, and Steven Adams both were out of the lineup. And so we had a bench win for the most part and really killed the Hawks. I mean, it was 128 to 103. We were up by six after the first quarter. We were up by 11 at halftime and then went 40 to 25 in the third quarter. And by then it was completely over. The minutes are super spread out and it was just a wall to wall victory for the Grizzlies. But it's and he's fun, you know. I'm not complaining ever about a victory, but I I do kind of wish Trey was there. Yeah, and I wish Jaw versus Trey was. No, you know, it was it was disappointing. So as someone, I I got to go to the game, and um, it was the first game uh, that I got to go to with my dad, and it was a little sad because I was like I was telling him on the way over, well, they're questionable. I don't know what's going to happen, and he loves Stephen Adams, and obviously he wants to see Jaw. And so it was sad. We were listening on the radio and then found out that both of them were sitting, um, you know, and so that was, that was sad. The funny part, the cool part is though, as we were going into the, um, into the game, I was telling him, well, you know, the one thing you should really watch for is Jaron's been playing great and he's been playing like a defensive player of the year candidate. So you should really, uh, so maybe that's the, the fun thing we can pay attention to in the game. And uh, sure enough, uh, that might've been uh, probably Jer- one of Jaron's most dominating games as a Memphis Grizzly on the defensive end, uh, just completely controlled the paint. Uh, I know he had eight blocks. It felt like he should have had more uh Career high. Yeah, career high. I mean, I think there were a couple blocks he had that were called fouls that I feel like even the refs just felt sorry for the Hawks uh, because I think, you know, I think in, in a different game those wouldn't have been called fouls. Uh, and it just was – I mean, you started to see them drive and see him and then immediately throw the ball out. And so they shoot. They shot a lot of threes. Uh, they just, by like the middle of the second quarter, just stopped going into the paint. They just gave up. It was, it was really cool to see um, – Jaron, especially starting at center without Steven Adams, uh, just really controlled the paint like that. And that was that was def- that was worth the price of admission, even though we were very, very sad that we missed out on the uh, the trade job battle. But it was just one of those one of those games where uh, after the first five, six minutes, uh, you know, like I said, we were only up by 60 in the first, but you felt like we had control of the game. Very, very professional win. At what point are we just going to put them out? Uh, and that took it took till the third quarter to totally leave no doubt. But it was definitely, I mean, we beat them, you know, every quarter. So, yeah, when it rains, it pours for Atlanta because we talked about them last week in the preview. Just bad vibes all around. Now they did win their most recent game, but they're sitting at five hundred ninth mm-hmm. in the East, which isn't exactly a murderer's row over there. A lot of parity overall in the NBA, so yeah. it's not as if they're completely out no. by any stretch. Uh, but they are still struggling. And yeah. so it was, I mean, if if you just look at the starting lineup, it would have been a real shame if the Grizzlies were to lay an egg because yes. they had Trent Forrest, Jalen Johnson, Anyeka Okongwu, A.J. Griffin, and DeAndre Hunter. Like, honestly, if you put this list of starters in front of in any, 
I would say casual to maybe even a step above that. There's probably two or three names that people are going to have to Google. Um, For sure. So overall, it was dominating performance by Jaron. I was excited to see Tyus continue to play well whenever Ja is unable because he had 22 and 11. I mean, he had three turnovers, which was uncharacteristic, but he still had 11 assists there and three steals as well and just completely controlled the game. And the starters just absolutely crushed in the plus-minus metric. And the the bench just, I mean, we we, but all of Kennedy Chandler, David Roddy, Zaire Williams, Santi Aldama, and Xavier Tillman played 20 minutes or Yeah. So that's all you need to know. No, it's great. And and, and Dylan, I want to throw out Dylan too um, because oftentimes I – get worried about Dylan um, when there's not like when he's geared up for somebody and they might sit or he doesn't have like an exact person and and DeAndre Hunter is a little bit of a fun guard I think for him it just or at least a guy that also thinks of himself as sort of a three and D player and so I think Dylan kind of got up for that but uh, but Dylan this might have been the most efficient <laughs> game of his career five of seven from three six of 11 from the field a plus 35 for the game um, best plus minus on the team. Um, and so he came to play and that's always good because, you know, like you said, like it's, you can't have a letdown when you look and see who the starters are. Um, and we might talk about a game where that happens, but, uh, for this game, Dylan came out, played hard, uh, was really aggressive. And, you know, and again, it wasn't like, Oh, he's on fire. He was taking good wide open threes, uh, that we like to see, not the like the weird step back threes with the shot clock running down, but um, but good threes, and he was just a very efficient. So that was really good, and uh, and and I would say it's it was a good crowd. It's one of those I know, you could tell at the beginning there was a little bit of a disappointment in the crowd uh, from the fact that Jaw Trey was not happening, but the crowd quickly got into it. And I thought it was a really really good crowd. It's just fun to have in a December weeknight game when you hear there's injuries and people might not play to still have the FedEx Forum packed. And it still be really loud and people be really into it. And man, they were anytime. I mean, everybody, they were anticipating the blocks by Jaron. Anyway, it was just so, so all that said is uh, even with the, the people sitting, it was a really fun game to be at. Speaking of another fun game. Oh yeah. Uh, Grizzlies blow out the Milwaukee Bucks, 142 to 101. I guess we'll just start here, John. You were in the building. I was, I actually got to go to both games this week. So, so how does this rank on your games so far of the season? We've played 28, and there's been a few that have been just super exciting. Mm-hmm. And, and this was against, obviously, a Bucks team that is uh, second in the East and was just incredible defensively. They're, yep. y- it would not be shocking to see them actually go all the way this year. So right. Giannis is only time to play in FedEx form. A lot of anticipation. But then all of a sudden, you're... You're you're kind of sitting there in the third quarter, and you're I don't know personally. It was just shocking. Like I, I almost wanted there to be more drama than there was. Yeah. But the Grizzlies just kept pouring it on. Yeah. Forty-seven point third quarter to, and if it wasn't in doubt, you know, at halftime, it was certainly in doubt about halfway through the third when you know the Bucks were just sitting there and didn't know what to do with themselves. Chris Middleton got completely shut down. Giannis had 19 points, but I mean, shot five for 13 and nobody else on that team was ready to play. So what was it like in the arena? I've heard everything from, it was like the best game I've ever seen in the regular season. Jai called it their best game, but at the same time, I've also heard some folks say that it was weirdly dead in the second half. Yeah, it was, you know, it's funny. It was, uh, so I'll say that the, the first quarter felt like a playoff game minus the towels but uh minus the crowd towels it did i mean people were loud they were very into it um it was it did not feel like a regular season game uh and um and so and, and also in, which is interesting to me because i've been to a bucks game i think i went a couple maybe two or three years ago and there were a lot of Giannis jerseys this was no this was a grizzlies crowd there were very i mean i guess they didn't have much to cheer for so maybe there were more than i think but but you did not look around like like for instance at the nets earlier this year when you saw a lot of Kyrie and kevin durant jerseys you did not look around and see a lot of Giannis jerseys like i had in the past um, this was a t- this was a crowd that was coming to see the Grizzlies beat the Bucks, and they were ready. And I think it did get um, very strange uh, <laughs> that how l- little drama it was. Even by the second quarter, you felt like 
the Bucks felt defeated and they were basically like, okay, let's just get to halftime. And then there's a little bit more energy right at the beginning of the third quarter. You know, okay, the Bucks are going to come out. They've got to make this a game just because they can't play any worse. We can't play any better. And then we put it to them even more. I'm an anti-wave guy. And it might be, th- like, I'm definitely kind of probably old man get off my lawn about it. But I am uh, someone who hates the wave. I'm somebody who... Uh, I think one of the reasons why I love basketball is that there's very little stoppage of play as compared to football and baseball when there's a lot of time and you end up having uh, the wave happen. And so uh, and but when it's a situation where you're coming expecting a drama filled game like the Nets game earlier, two awesome teams, you know, with a lot of talent playing each other, going back and forth. And that's not happening and the other team has given up, taken Giannis out with like three minutes to go in the third quarter, and you have nothing better to do. And so people start a wave almost as a mocking uh, of the other team, and the players get involved. You're starting five who have like been sitting for a while, like basically are no longer sweating, are basically you know in their warm-ups, that they're starting to do the wave. Uh, and now – might this get us killed come April when we play at Milwaukee? I don't know. But uh, if there's one time to do the wave, I find this to be the appropriate time only when you're mocking the fact that we have basically not e- made this a non-contest by how good we've played. And so in that sense, I, I really uh, I enjoyed the wave. That was probably one of the more fun parts of the fan experience. It's always fun to get to see. You know, the bench guys get a lot of minutes. Unfortunately, you know, Lofton, because of the amount of people you can have active on the roster, uh, Junior was not able to play, which was sad because I think that would have given a little bit of spark in the fourth quarter. But other than that, uh, it's really fun. I mean, I would much rather have a 40-point win than a one-point loss. So, and, and honestly, when we were mashing people last year, I loved going to games and then being done by the end of the third quarter and getting to see the bench play in the fourth. So I'll never complain about it. Uh, you know, was it as exciting as the, the Nets game earlier this year uh, when four players scored 35 points? No. But was it a more uh, – but it definitely – I mean, I don't know. I was happy for like two days. So after that win, so I can't complain. And plenty of highlights too. I mean, Ja just was was attacking the paint as he normally does, despite Brooke Lopez, who was touted as you know a great defender, which he is, and then Giannis, who's roving always, and yet Ja Morant just had his way. And I, what was striking to me, it was that Bobby Portis might have been their best player. And I'm looking back at his game, and, you know, he was 8 for 14, 19.7 rebounds, you know, was about the only one who was playing with energy. He was minus 30 <laughs> just in 22 minutes. Ugh. And so you look back, and if you're the Bucks, you just kind of have to move on. This is one of those games where you just pack it up, don't even watch the tape, move on. This seemed to be an effort issue. This is another game, though, speaking of the wave, where I'm reminded – just how young we still are and that basketball can still be fun. Yes. Yeah, and and I think that it's probably going to be taken as some sort of disrespectful slight and I've seen that online oh, yeah. just a little bit and if, you know, that could be the that could be the case. So I could see the argument, yeah. but at the same time I think it's just a bunch of young guys who are laughing at the crowd doing something yeah. very unique and I I'm hoping I'm glad they're not in the west. That's what I'll say. For a lot of reasons yes. I'm glad the Bucks yes. aren't in the west, but uh, and we don't play the Bucks again until like the last week of the season too. So I, right. I'm hoping it's plenty of time to kind of mellow out. But Ja, I mean, just unbelievable triple double. I was trying to find some stats on his rebounding, and it has vastly improved this year. And he is at the highest level of of defensive rebounding percentage he's per cleaning the glass he's 92nd percentile at 15.6 percent and I think that's been a huge part of of his maturation where he's staying or sticking around instead of always um you know looking for runouts like he's he's staying engaged he's taking on more responsibility 
on that end and not uh and now Steven Adams really does love to to take the ball out really quickly or get an offensive rebound. We have we're, we lead the league in rebounding right now right. and a big part of it though has been Jaws improvement because Jaron is about the level that he was. Stevo is always going to rebound well, but right. you look at the rest of the guys on the roster, we don't have a million great rebounders besides, you know, like a guy like John Conchar who has been playing more often than not, but like Jaws has been a no. huge part of that. And so I just wanted to highlight that and and say, you know, he added another triple double to the resume, which was a lot of fun. And and we really really actually needed his his contribution there. And he got it, you know, in in three quarters basically uh, of playing. So like that was yeah. super impressive by John. No, I mean I think and, and I'm trying now I'm trying to remember if it was Steven Adams that talked about it in an interview, but one of the things I, I was hearing was how that Jaron and Steven Adams have started to talk about block you know, basically blocking out their uh, the guys on them and letting Jaw come get the rebound because then it's it helps start the offense in the fast break um, much easier to just just let Jaw get the ball and similar to the way Steven Adams sort of cleared things out for Russell Westbrook. So I do think that that's an interesting, you know, I'll, I'll see if that continues where we where like Jaron and Steven kind of like kind of hold people back and then let, you know, clear it out for Jaw to come get the rebound. Uh, but one of the things that stood out, a couple of things stood out this game for me, 86 paint points against the the basically at that point, not anymore, the you know the number one team defending the paint, which I found to be uh, pretty incredible. And then also, uh, basically again, Dylan, um, you know, getting you know because Chris Middleton is not. Uh, he's just he's usually a pretty cool headed you know one of the things that I think makes him he's very good clutch player as far as last five minutes of the game because he's very level headed doesn't get very emotional and Dylan was so in his head early on that he committed a flagrant foul against Dylan and uh, Dylan just had him and obviously Middleton uh, basically only had one field goal the whole game uh, and so that was just that was one of those Dylan specials it reminded me of the Zion game just Dylan uh, was basically uh, just shut down a guy for the other team. Um, you already talked about the jaw triple double in less than 26 minutes, which is just pretty incredible. Uh, and, you know, and I just, and, you know, I will say this. Uh, there was a lot of talk about that, you know, for the Bucks, that was just one of those games. We always talk about the Hubie Brown quote, five games that were you know, every year in a two game season, five games, you're just not going to have it. Five games, uh, you're just going to be shooting lights out, shot variance game, you can't lose, and it's like going to be the other 72. And I and I do think that Milwaukee, this probably qualifies for them as one of their five games potentially. But there's been a lot of talk, I think, that like, oh, this was the Grizzlies big going crazy. But like, you know, honestly, we, sh- we only shot 12 of 32 from three. Uh, we didn't have a great field goal percentage. We weren't like hitting, you know, all our shots. Uh, I just think this was like so. I actually think this isn't an outlier. That this this shows what our ceiling can be, um, but it's not one of those crazy we were on fire games. It was just a we came in, we were going to play amazing defense, we were going to execute, and and we just put it to a team that was not ready to play at that level. And so it just was really really cool to see. It, it was great to see the bench that everybody on the bench was a plus. Uh, they were awesome. And, and another, you know, you mentioned Tyus, another great Tyus game. Um, and, and I think this is one of those games, and maybe you could disagree with me, but this is one of those games that makes me feel like, and maybe this is heretical to get here now, but that, that the ceiling of our team is better than I think we've ever had, than, than any of the grit and grind teams. I think the grit and grind teams uh, were really good, and they've accomplished more by getting to the Western Conference Finals. But we can play at a level, because we can play at that level and – be hitting shots uh, better than we did. And that is just pretty incredible to see. Um, the thing I was going to ask you is, do you think, did this, did this, you know, and they didn't have Drew Holiday, we didn't have Bain, but did this make you think that the Bucks? you know, I know we're getting ourselves, but as far as the, if we were to get out of the West, that the Bucks would be a team we'd rather face than the Celtics? Or do you feel like we still don't know because we played the Celtics down so many people earlier in the season. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknowns. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now. 
Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN. Place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, so one of the things that I've been interested in is is the way in which we defend basically the, the differences in the styles that teams that we've beaten has been. And I think one of the things that we struggle with a lot is is defending the three-point line. Yeah. And I think w- one of the things that contributes to it is your guards not being super strong in that area. Our main defender is this roving power forward who's seven feet tall. And then also Steven Adams who can just play bully ball down low. And so we are we are actually playing pretty well in situations where we're having to defend teams that like us attack the paint or that have a player similar to Giannis who is going to have a a ton of his points come in the paint. And so, so, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'd rather play Giannis than a team like the Celtics because I think that Giannis is, is impossible at some level to guard, but Overall, I would rather play a team like the Bucks, who are going to play a little bit more conservatively and are not going to shoot as many threes. I know Chris Middleton can shoot, but like I'm not scared of Grayson Allen. I've seen that story before in the playoffs. I think Drew is really good at calming teams down and playing set offenses, but I'm not necessarily scared of his three ball. Um you know they don't have to me a ton of guys who I'm I'm nervous about. Now the Celtics, on the other hand, are absolutely destroying teams from the three point line. And so as of right now, I would definitely rather play the Bucks for that simple reason. I don't think it'd be fun either way. Yeah, no, I mean not not you know, and obviously I'm getting way ahead of myself, but that that was something I was thinking about. Um, you know, and obviously we have the Taylor Jenkins factor that also helps, and that he, you know, basically understands that team and knows that team in a way that he, there's no way he would know the Celtics. So, but yeah, but, exactly. but, it, but it was just, it was, it was just one of those statement games that did make me feel like uh, us being first in the West is not a fluke. And I know I, my optimism, I've been talking about it, but it was good to see, you know, that on the floor. Uh, and it was good to see that when we circle a team and circle a game and say, we want to come and bring it that we do. You know, and we were dominant, and so that's that's also really good to see. Very different than past Grizzlies teams where we would circle games and then we would come out and we would play really well, but maybe still lose just because of talent or other things. But man, when we when we come out, uh, you know, full guns blazing, we're we're a tough team to deal with. Yeah, and we honestly shot pretty average overall. Yeah. I mean, fifty five percent field goal percentage from overall, and then three point percentage is thirty seven and a half. I mean, average there is about 35 and so a, a few threes more than average but overall it was our defense and I think that we just absolutely shut them down they couldn't do anything and we made the timely plays and and basically gave you know took what the defense gave us uh no. speaking of a game that was sort of a letdown unless you have something else on the bucks because you know no. obviously I'd love to no. spend more time on that than this, yeah, this other game unfortunately but, but um, I feel like we got to talk about this one Letdown spot, Memphis Grizzlies lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder 115-109. to It was the first game after a five-game homestand that we were playing away. We were playing in OKC. Notably, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Jeremiah Robinson-Earl were not on the, on the floor for the Thunder. And so, to me, this was a classic letdown spot and one of the more frustrating games of the season. What do you think, John? No, I mean, it was, it was a classic, uh, letdown, but I mean, and also they didn't have giddy either. So, so and it was, giddy. Yep. and giddy. So it was like, uh, I mean, it, it's so frustrating to me cause it's one of those things where I get it and we just did play great. And obviously they, 
really cared about showing well against the Bucks. But, you know, I just think it's frustrating that, uh, you know, that especially the second quarter, because when you look at the game, nothing really, you know, we, we actually won the second half pretty easily. Um, we were down by like three or four at the end of the first. But losing the second quarter 39-22 to 22, uh, is just ridiculous. And I know we missed a lot of gimme shots. But it was a lot of, I mean, honestly, it was an exact reminder of the last game we lost, which was at Minnesota, where we just had really dumb turnovers, just felt like we were just like in slow motion. It just was a very weird game, Um, you know, and it was another game where our bench just really played poorly um, for the most part. And, you know, just the fact that we would lose, like that's a team that even when we play bad, we should, should still win without some of their best players. So it's just a really frustrating. It's frustrating cuz we would have had, you know, we would have gained ground on the rest of the West by winning that game too. So it just it was just a very frustrating game. Um I get it. We just played awesome. I get that and we're about to talk about that in a second. We have some huge games, three national TV games, the next three games. Uh and so this was a total trap game, but it's still frustrating and it still reminds me like you were saying, the good is them messing around the the bench, doing the wave, the bad of having a super young team is we end up uh, having outcomes like this. One thing that stuck out to me, and this is coming off of, and I need to just be full disclosure, like I don't agree with what happened to Ja. Like I think the the way he was ejected in that first half was completely bizarre and inexplicable. I think he was, it's, pretty much been confirmed that he was just talking to a Grizzlies fan on the side who is trying to pump up the the guys after they were down 20 and Ja of course did make a comment about the officiating and I think the official took it way too far and shouldn't have thrown him out however all that said I came on here last week and one of the things I was pretty concerned about was Ja's level of complaining because I had felt like it had increased and I looked at technical fouls last year Ja over the course of the entire regular season and postseason had eight technical fouls through 29 games he has seven technicals already and two ejections and that is just one thing to continue to monitor because I I don't love again I don't agree with what happened last night but I do think it goes to this broader point of Ja is looking to have superstar status in this league. He's looking to get every call. If you look at him whenever he misses a layup, it's typically, you know, you can call a ton. Uh, Like I said last week, it's similar to holding in football. You can probably find a way to call a foul each drive that Ja has, but you're just not going to get every single call that you think you should. And I hate to see it affect because we could have used Ja last night we were coming back we couldn't get things going Ja is a mismatch for anyone against the Thunder they don't have anybody who can hold him Tyus is more of a system uh, player and he's not necessarily going to be an instant spark to offense though Tyus I thought played pretty well I just I just think that it was it was pretty pretty dumb and I hate that it happened like it did all right, good. So I was wondering if I was going to be another, is this going to be another uh, old man moment for me? But I felt the exact same way you do. Uh, I was I was frustrated. I mean, this is where, and this is maybe where Jenkins also needs, you know, shows that he's the young coach. This is where, you know, I feel like John needs to let Jenkins get a technical, you know, maybe at the end of the first half. And then that gets them, you know, because obviously we, we got a ton of foul calls in the third quarter. <laughs> We, we we shot a lot of free throws in the second half. The refs realized, I think they, you know, we had a lot of makeup calls coming our way. And I just think Josh should not put himself in, you know, don't disparage a ref right in front of a right, right in front of that ref's face. Even if you're not talking to him, you're just putting yourself at risk. And I really do think if he hadn't been kicked out, I, I think there's a good chance we win that game. Cause there was multiple times at, at the end of the third and throughout the fourth, where it was like we just needed that one more possession to cut it to like six or five or to get it from double digits, single digits. And we would, you know, and then we just wouldn't be able to score and they would come down and score. And we just really needed jaw last night. And so it's really frustrating uh, that he was ejected. And uh, I just hope he stops, you know, like I would love for that statistic. Let's get one technical the rest of the year if possible. 
you know, I don't think we want, he doesn't want to go down where he's like, has a kind of Luca esque Trey esque relationship with the refs. Like, I think he, he wants to back off that stuff and he'll get there. I mean, I, I agree. Like I get frustrated, like even in that bucks, one thing that stood out and I didn't say it when we were talking about the Milwaukee bucks was just how many calls Giannis gets and how many calls he gets that Jaron, especially on defense and that jaw on offense don't get. And, but that comes with Giannis won a world championship. He's a superstar. And I think John Jaron will get that sort of status, but it's going to take a while and they need to be patient and they just need to be more mature in that area because that was, you know, that, that was really frustrating. And, uh, and it was a really bad loss. I know we get, we're going to have a few of these in an 82 game season, but that was, that was a game. The OKC thunder without their best players are so bad that we should win, you know, even playing not a great game. The thunder don't want to win. At this right. point, so why are we even yeah, allowing the, them to right? The get only something they don't want the only positive about that is that Sam Presti probably like threw some stuff in his office last night. Yeah, <laughs> he was um, he was expected that to be an L, and they took uh, they took a win. The other so. thing too is it's not as if Jaw just doesn't get to the line. Like he's getting to the right. line nine or ten times a game, which is in the upper echelon of the league. And I think it obviously has to do with his style. He's going to be in the paint a lot more and is going to get more foul calls, which I appreciate. Right. But, yeah, it's just one of those things worth monitoring. Yeah. If, if we were to take any sort of positive from the game, I thought that overall uh, two guys that I, th- I think have played better in the last two weeks have been Brandon Clark and David Roddy. I think Clark just comes in and does his job. He's been super efficient from the field and has just gotten back to Brandon Clark basketball. He's rebounding a ton. His activity is infectious when he comes on the floor. So that's been huge. And then David Roddy, uh, you know, it's weird to talk about any positives in the context of this Thunder game, but overall I think that he has just come out with a new confidence that is important for this team because – you know, you can say what you say what you will about some of his shots, but he's still a rookie. He's learning. Overall, you can sense that he's more ready than he was in the last two months of the season. And he's he's knows his role. I think that some guys, key guys being out and him being having to fill in has, you know, worked wonders for him. And so I, I continue to be a little bit skeptical skeptical and I don't love when he takes more shots than I think he should, but overall he's hitting them more, and I think he's a true threat now from three and has started to fit in better with the lineups and just hasn't been as big of a minus. It hasn't always been plus, but he's actually, you're seeing positives in those plus minus boxes. Yeah, we're starting to get see sort of a Zaire arc to, he didn't have to have an injury to sit out for a little while, but kind of him definitely getting, having a vast, you know, much improvement in December compared to October and November for sure. So he's yeah. kind of, he's, he's been playing much better for, uh, and he's definitely. actually rebounding now too. Yeah. That was one of my frustrations was he wasn't using his, his body to his advantage. And I think he is now and hit a few key shots too in that Bucks game. Um, okay. Let's talk MVP of the week yep. and I'll let you start. All right, so uh, so I definitely to me it was down to a couple guys, and um, again I t- talked about Jaron was had just a dominating game Monday, and so I want to kind of give him an honorable mention. But he kind of uh, you know he was actually probably the only sort of he still played great defense when he was in, but he got in foul trouble against the Bucks and just didn't play a lot, and so uh, so he's kind of an honorable mention for this week. But my MVP is Dylan Brooks. And that's just because, um, you know, even last night, and he didn't have an amazing game last night, uh, but he plays hard. He was really wanting us, you know, he he played till the end. He wanted us to come back and win that game. Uh, You know, I just, I like the energy he comes. You know, in a letdown game, he was a guy I didn't feel like was going through the motions like a lot of the other guys on the court. And then just definitely the Hawks game, probably his best offensive game of the year and then again um against the bucks i just thought like his energy his personality controlled that game got in middleton's head he had a great uh you know he had another efficient game on offense so i'm giving it to dylan couldn't have said it better myself that's two mvps for this past week to dylan brooks congratulations Dylan, you earned it. You earned it. And this is becoming a weird Dylan podcast all of a sudden. You, you are would have earning. That's right. You're earning um, 
a lot more, I think, than maybe we would want to pay. But that's a conversation yes. for another time. Yes. All right, let's talk about the games coming up this week. All three on national TV. We'll start with Denver. They're 17-11. and 11. Right now they're third in the NBA, right behind the, uh, the Pelicans. They're second on offense and 28th on defense. This is one of the biggest goals you can literally have in yep. the NBA. They're at 13 net rating. Jokic is playing at an MVP level. What do you think about this game? Yeah, so one thing that's a little, you know, that to remember that, De- that Denver's only, you know, a game and a half back as of right now uh, in the standings from us, and they have had a very road-heavy schedule. So they're going to get a lot more home games. So they're one of the few teams when I was talking about Phoenix and the Pelicans uh, having had kind of a home heavy schedule they've had a road heavy schedule so so I actually ex- expect them their numbers a little bit to improve especially maybe on the defensive end uh, getting helped out by the home court advantage they have with the thin air and all those sorts of things and they just are always a great team at home they're eight and three at home already this year so this is going to be a tough game just because it is always tough when you play Denver um, there and uh, at the same time they have been a team that has been had a lot of injuries that Michael Porter Jr. has just kind of not still, you know, still struggling with weird injuries. He has not really done anything this this season. Uh, Jamal Murray has been great in spots. I, I've watched several of their games. I don't feel like he's really put together a complete game. It's like he can be the old Jam- Jamal Murray for a few minutes, but he's just not back to that level coming off his uh, long time off and his injury, and I don't know if he'll ever get back there. Um, I do think he'll be a lot better probably at the end of the season than he is now. Um, so I'm very interested to see Dylan get to match up with Joel Murray. I'm very interested to see, similar to uh, how we played the Bucks with Giannis, I'm interested to see how we do with, with Adams and Jaron against uh, Jokic, that's going to be really fun. It's going to be a fun matchup. I remember last year one of Jaron's uh, better moments was blocking uh, Jokic at the, you know, right at the rim uh, with no time left. It might have been a foul too, but we won't talk about that. But uh, and so it was a close game. And anyway, I, I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a good test for us. This is a huge game for us in the standings. And uh, and so it'll be interesting. You know, my hope is that we lost the trap game because we were looking ahead to this game. Yeah, I completely agree that the Nuggets just in their last two, they're playing the Hornets right now pretty close. They're up by three at halftime. But in the last two games, they beat the Wizards 141 to 128, and then they lose to the Lakers, only scoring 108 points and giving up 126. Oh. So this is a team that just gives up a ton of offense. And yes. so I'm just looking for us to take care of business on that end and then rely on our defensive player of the year candidate to do what he can against the Joker. And I'm just really hoping that Jaron doesn't get in foul trouble because Jokic can carve us up. I don't think we have anybody besides Jaron who can truly, uh, besides Steven to an extent, but Jaron is truly the one that I'm interested to see that matchup. And it's always hard to play in the altitude in mile high. So, We'll see what happens there. Yeah, but but they offer no rim protection. I hope that we we should. The hope would be to have tons of points in the paint, and honestly, let Jokic get his buckets. Just don't let him get those ten to fifteen assists. Get everybody else involved. Um, you know, that's that's what I would be worried about. Like you said, has car, him carving us up. Like let him let him t- attack us. Let him score a lot of points. But man, when he gets going, he's kind of that point guard and playmaking for everybody. They're tough to beat. And for what it's worth, he and Murray are day-to-day still. So we never, yes. we don't even know if they're going to play. Uh, also, just really hoping for a jo- drama-free TNT broadcast. I'm not looking <laughs> forward to revisiting the Charles Barkley ridiculousness. Yes. And so let's just hope that the Grizzlies take care of business. For sure. For the reason of not having to talk about um, Barkley on this yeah, podcast again. And one other thing, and this goes for all th- you know, what's interesting is all three of these teams are – our big name teams, um, you know, the Golden State Warriors. We can talk about them in a second. Are struggling, but but both Phoenix and uh, and Denver and Golden State have all had losing records in December. So we're coming in playing teams that are not playing at their best. So hopefully we can take advantage of that, and we can hopefully we can take advantage of Denver not being at their best right now. Yeah, speaking of the Suns, we're going to play them on Friday. It'll be the, an ESPN game. They're eighteen and twelve. They're uh, second right now. Uh, in the, did I get that right? Are they second in the conference? 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. They're fourth in the conference. That was a typo on my sheet. And they are third on offense, 11th in defense, fourth in net rating. A couple nights ago, Devin Booker just dropped 58 in, in, a, in a victory. <laughs> Including 25 um, straight. <laughs> yeah, 25 straight. He is ridiculous. Uh, Chris Paul is back in the lineup. And so this should be really fun. Mm-hmm. The Suns are at a point right now uh, where they are they are still, I think, they're still building towards what they want to be. I think not having Paul in the lineup for an extended period of time was was weird for them. He's back, and but he's also a year older. And so their style has continued to be very methodical. And they are a team that I feel as though the Grizzlies can definitely beat. They had a lot of... Uh, they're, we're going to be playing them pretty close together. Yeah, there we go. So that we're yeah. playing them at home on Tuesday, December 27th, the game, you know, the homecoming from the Christmas Day game. And so right. I'm interested to see what happens in Phoenix and how then we'll respond on the right. 27th. I would, I would absolutely love to defeat the Suns in Phoenix. Yes. I mean, it would be a good win. They are, I mean, they are other than us. We have the best home record uh, in the NBA, I believe. Uh, but Phoenix is 13 and three, and I think they're tied with the Golden State Warriors potentially. Um, for the, maybe maybe the Golden State Warriors are tied with us, but they Phoenix has one of the top three home records, so they're very tough to beat at home. So that w- will be a, a tough ask. I will say DeAndre Ayton is still day to day. So I you know at this point I assume that by next Friday he's going to be ready to go, but I know that he's you know kind of twists his ankle. He has a hamstring kind of thing, so. So who knows about that? Obviously, if they don't have DeAndre Ayton, I would hope that we would be able to beat them um, with really no inside presence. But they're you know they're a good team. But this is the kind of game that I I'm excited about getting to see us go and play. Um, you know, and and you know not to not to give bad vibes, but you know last year at this time uh, we we struggled coming into Christmas. You know, we lost three games in a row. I don't want to do that. I want to get right back on the winning side after losing at OKC. So I'm hopefully these are these are two games back to back where we can really make statements. Um, and I think Phoenix is going to be a really good uh, team. You know, basically I feel like uh, Jokic is going to. We're playing an MVP, and then the next game we're playing just a well-oiled machine as far as execution, um, doing all the right things. And and you know it'll be fun to see uh, Dylan. Uh, guard Booker as well, so that'll be a fun matchup. Also, I was about to say that's uh, you took the words out of my mouth. That is the marquee matchup this week to me is Dylan Brooks against Devin Booker because he's had I'm sure Booker circled for for a while now. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. And then the I would say what we thought was going to be a much more uh, I don't know. I, it's weird to play Golden State in this state, and the reason I say that is Steph Curry just suffered a shoulder injury and is going to be out at least a couple weeks. And it's going to be weird not having Bane and Curry in this Christmas Day game. I think it's still going to be super exciting. It's at 7 p.m. on Christmas night. The Warriors are 14-16, and 16, 11th in the conference. They're 12th on offense, 20th on defense, 16th in net rating. And if Curry is, is setting records, basically, for on-off to where this team without him on the floor, is a complete shell of themselves. They're still figuring themselves out. And I, yeah, I I just think that it's going to lose a little bit of its luster, but Christmas Day is Christmas Day. It's still going to be a blast, and they're still the old Warriors. To me, weirdly enough, Clay Thompson is the most important person in this rivalry just because of his comments after the finals. And so it'll be a lot of fun to cheer against him and see that matchup with Dylan as well. Yeah, and Dylan's already said in a, a press conference that he is actually the that it doesn't disappoint him that Steph's out because that means that that now he can co- totally concentrate on guarding Clay Thompson. So so he's ready for that. And I will say they they're they're on this long road trip uh, going up until Christmas Day, and so and they might lose a lot of these games. I mean, they might be coming in having lost you know five of their last six games. And and I will say that uh, that while obviously they're not going to be uh, we're going to be probably favored in the game because of Steph's absence, I will say that crowd and that team they're going to want to really come strong and support this team and try to build them up. You know, for the first game in a long homestand, it's Christmas Day. It'll be emotional, 
And so the Grizzlies, I think, you know, and I don't think there's no way they're going to have a letdown game on Christmas. I would be shocked, and especially by the team that put them out of the playoffs. Uh, but I will just say I think we're going to get whatever the best of the Golden State Warriors without Steph is, I think we're going to get that Christmas Day. Um, and I think that crowd's going to be fired up uh, to try to kind of will uh, their team to a win in a tough time uh, for, for them, you know, and kind of keep them honestly in the play-in. So, so I, think it, I still think it's going to be a fun game, but it is definitely weird that, that Steph is not going to be there. Yeah. For sure. I think that Jordan Poole, to me, is the player to watch as he's he's the only way that their offense is going to stay at a level to where they can potentially pull out a few of these wins when Steph isn't playing. So if we can shut Clay down, but also, you know, play team defense against Jordan Poole, I'm not worried about us scoring on the Warriors. I'm just, you know, I'm just not. I, I don't yeah. think that they have anybody. I mean, Draymond is awesome, but I don't think he can do it all by himself so and their defense is ranked 20th I mean if you look back at their title run it was a lot of it was offense because that's what you think of when you think of the Warriors and Steph but truly their defense was elite and it just hasn't been at that level this year and so it's going to be fun first Christmas Day game we're going to be right back with you guys probably in the next couple of days after that we're going to try to get the full crew on to to review that game so that's just a programming note for you so before we do our 10-game prediction, our next 10-game, I realized that I left out our guess who for the week. So let oh, me yeah. ask you a, a guess who in review okay. of the teams we just previewed. Okay, this player is on the books, on the books technically uh, for less than this, but overall he is costing this team $27 million. He has played 160 minutes only this year. And he is a minus eighty three in those minutes. Guess who? Oh man, twenty seven million. Uh, would that be Michael Porter Jr.? No. Okay, so this is kind of a trick question because he's technically less than than twenty seven million, but ultimately, if he continues to stay on this current team, he will cost the organization twenty seven million dollars if you factor in some some extra spending they're having to do to keep their team together? Oh. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. Is, I mean, is it... I'm trying to think if it's James Wiseman. It is well, James Wiseman. Okay, there we go. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. $27 million. Some Some guy who was doing luxury ta- ca- tax oh, calculations yeah. as a percentage of, of the... Um, of, this, of the salary spread in Golden State did the math, and James Wiseman... 27 million uh he is costing the organization 160 minutes is not a lot no at all you're gonna look at your average starter level player has probably played you know in the 300s uh you know 400s for some uh and and he has been in i mean think about it this way in his 160 minutes being minus 83 every every minute he is on the floor he is costing his team Minus half a point. Like, that is hard to do. That's very hard to do. So, uh, thoughts and prayers to James Wiseman. We'll see if he finds a home elsewhere. I would I would trade him if I were the Golden State Warriors. I know that it's it's bad. It's a bad look. But yeah, they don't want to sell low either. No, but. they don't. But they're going to have to. Because I right. do not see a future in which James Wiseman is actually it's, playing it's, productive basketball. It's like those people that are hanging on. Hanging on to the, the, the declining stock or... The, the cryptocurrency that keeps going down, but they're going to still hold on waiting for it to come back up. Trying but, to keep their, their vindication because their pride you know, tells yeah, them but, they can't But sell. unfortunately, you know, Wiseman, you know, his, his numbers were fine in the G League, but he's not impressed. Uh, and I know he's going to get some more run now. I think they're going to bring him up to see if they can get some kind of boost from him with Steph gone, but we'll see. As uh, Ben Golliver says, Mar- Marvin Bagley the fourth or something Marvin like that. Marvin Bagley the fourth. Yes. Yeah, I love that so much. Okay, um, <laughs> we got to do our next ten game prediction. Yes. Technically, we do have one more in this right. run. Now, so far we are seven and two. So, Kraft, this is a very I big know, game. I know. I was so fr- that was you know honestly that was the most frustrating part about the OKC loss because I was excited about coming on here and basically saying. Uh, for you know, and and you didn't you know for uh, I've heard from several people 
uh, not on the podcast or maybe sometimes on podcasts with Grizz Den, how crazy it was that I suggested eight and two. And I was going to get to come on here and say at worst we're eight and two, but we could be nine and one. Um, but unfortunately now it looks like we could either tie if we lose to Denver or I'll have actually predicted correctly if we can beat Denver. But, um, but I, I've loved that uh, my kind of thought, which was having a very good homestand and getting on a run, um, I'm glad that that came true, even though I would never have thought the two losses would have been Minnesota and would have been OKC. So, uh, 100% agree. 100% agree on that. Okay, so games 31 through 40, the Grizzlies have five on the road, five at home. So pretty even there, as even as you can get. And I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction. Okay. I'm going to go back to Old Faithful, 7 and three for the Grizzlies in this stretch. A couple of reasons why I think that. Yes, there are some tougher opponents on the front end of that schedule. I think we are going to benefit from this OKC loss. I think it's going to fuel the effort of this team. Secondly, I think that Desmond Bain, per the tweet that we discussed at the top of the pod, I think he's going to be back sooner than we think. And so I'm hoping that we have Des for maybe half of these games, maybe maybe even more. And as soon as he's back in the lineup, we we you know, given there are no additional injuries, we have our full starting lineup, and I think it's going to be really special. And when he does return, to me, I think we have a much more favorable schedule on the back end of this yes. ten. And I can just read it for us. So at the Suns, at the Warriors, we just discussed those. We have home Suns and Pel- and and Raptor, or excuse me, Suns at home, Raptors on the road, Pelicans at home on that New Year's Eve game. Kings at home, at Charlotte, at Orlando, home for Utah, and then finally home against the Spurs. So as you can tell, that back those last five games, you know, yeah. much more favorable. But these first, for sure, it's, it's going to all be in this first five. Is my prediction. Yeah. So, um, so I'm you know, so I guess we're born again. I'm going seven and three as well. Okay, I really want to go eight and two, but uh, but just seeing that we're going to play two back to backs and just. From what I've seen from our team, it feels like we like to rest guys, and obviously we can beat people resting guys. We've proven that. But uh, but I'm real nervous about that January 1st game, uh, especially if we go out and beat the Pels and have a fun New Year's Eve night. I don't know what kind of team's showing up uh, January 1st, and then I think we have another back-to-back. And I know the second half is like the Spurs, and we should be able to win that game. But with the two back-to-backs, and then just games like at Toronto, which we just always lose. We just always lose at Toronto. Um, so for that reason, I'm saying 7-3. and three. And I think if we're 7-3 and three through this stretch, I, I expect us um, at the end of 40 games to be in first place. I really do. I think, I think we'll be in first place in the West. If we can go 7-3, and three, especially if we can you know, pull off a couple of wins against the Suns and the Nuggets here and kind of get some separation. It's pretty nuts that we're at the end of this 10 games going to basically be at the halfway point of the season. It's kind of crazy to think about. It might just be, this is more of a meta discussion, but it might just be us like getting on here every once a week and and talking about the team where I feel like time is just flying right now. And it feels as though we still, I mean, we we literally still haven't seen our starting lineup together in full. And so the fact that we could could very well be halfway through before that happens is, is pretty telling as to the success and yeah. the uh, just how impressive this this run has been no, so far. And and the fact yeah the fact that if you know even with me and my crazy optimism if you had told me Zaire's not playing the first twenty five to thirty games. Uh, you know, Jaw's going to be injured for a while. We're going to have Bain gone for 15, 20 games. You know, Jaron's getting back Thanksgiving. Like, all these things, if you told me all of that stuff, um, we're going to rest guys on back-to-backs. I would have said there's no way we're first in the Western Conference, even my optimism. And so it's pretty crazy, you know, to see that we might not have the win totals. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still a little excited about the rest of the year, but I don't know where the win total will end up. But it's really exciting to see that we're first in the West. So if anything, you know, the West is not as strong as maybe a lot of people anticipated. But I think also our system, our culture, you know, our organization, it shows just how great we are um, that we're in first place. With, a, with all the injuries, and like you said, we've never had our starting five together for one game. Well, John, here's to the first ever Christmas Day game in franchise history. Here's to zero texts from John Morant this week. No. 
crossing my fingers. Yes. And here's to uh, the upcoming stretch of games, which can more often than not define a season right in the midst of of what many casual fans consider yeah. to be the kickoff of the right. season. So it, it'll be really important for the Grizzlies to be in full form moving forward. Yeah, and for those of y'all, I know there's a lot of people who listen to our podcast that don't aren't they don't watch every game. Maybe they don't get Bally's. Like there's, there's, this is a great week. Three national TV games. It's the holiday season. You know, great chance to get to watch the Grizzlies play three uh, really good opponents on national TV this week. Email the show, grizzdenpod at gmail.com if you have any thoughts about what we're talking about or you know suggest something that maybe we haven't mentioned thus far. We'd love to hear from you. Go to grizzden.com. The, the tacky Christmas sweaters have been flying off the shelves. Remember, it is socially acceptable to wear all Christmas apparel until the new year, so there's still time to order, even if it might not get there before Christmas. But please... Visit grizzden.com. We have a lot of ideas, too, coming down. So you're you're going to see a lot more activity there. And, uh, yeah, this has been another edition of the Weekend Update. For John, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us.